Welcome to another exciting episode of the Alternative Investment Podcast. Listen in as your hosts, Jimmy Atkinson and Andy Hagens, discuss tax-advantaged investment strategies to help you grow your wealth. From commodities to real estate, private equity, agribusiness, and more, we cover it all here on the Alternative Investment Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Investment Podcast. I'm Andy Hagens. And I'm Jimmy Atkinson. Joining us today is Chris Raleigh, CEO of Harvest Returns, and we're going to discuss investment in livestock. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, guys. Absolutely, Chris. Pleasure to be with you today. Uh, so we're going to dive into the specifics of livestock investing throughout the course of today's show. But to start us off, just at a high level, Chris, why are high net worth accredited investors interested in investing in livestock right now? So I'd, I'd back it up a little bit and, and talk agriculture and then protein and then, you know, dive down to livestock. So, you know, agriculture is pretty hot right now, um, commodities in general, uh, because the prices are going up, whether we're talking about uh, soy, corn, wheat, uh, and cattle for that matter. It, it's all been driving up and that's been driving up farmland prices. Um, and, and there's a number of reasons for that. Supply chain shortages, inflation in general, agriculture tends to be correlated uh, positively with inflation, negatively correlated with the stock and in, in, uh, in fixed income markets. But we like um, the other piece of that is is protein and protein in general. So when you look at you know agriculture, it's a pretty wide ranging uh type of asset or asset class. And there's, there's lots of different flavors to it, but you hear a lot about protein these days and, and specifically from on the investment side, especially on the institutional investment side, um, everybody's seen the headlines on alternative protein. So there's, you know, beyond meat and impossible burger and all of those sorts of things. And they had a big ride two or three years ago, and now they've kind of leveled off. Um, once the, the, um, companies producing sort of realized that from my perspective, is more of a novelty. People tried them, and and there's a certain um, percentage of the population that likes those alternative meats. But um, for the vast majority of people, especially in the U.S., they like meat, real meat, not cultured meat, meat, not alternative meats, but but meat as their primary source of protein. So whether we're talking about poultry or hogs or or cattle or or even um, farmed fish, it's it's a pretty wide sector of agriculture. From an investment standpoint, it's it's fairly ignored, though it's not it's not well known, and there's not a lot of places you can access it. And um, Harvest Returns is one of those places where you can inv actually invest in livestock. So, Chris, uh, I want to talk about Harvest Returns a, a little bit, and, and especially against this current macroeconomic backdrop. So, you alluded to inflation, and like right now in in April 2022. I mean, I'm looking at three really important factors. Number one, we had the supply chain issues, um, you know, some of those possibly, um, you know, self-inflicted. Uh, and of course, you know, politically in Washington, they're, they're trying to deal with them. Um, but, but really, it feels like, you know, we, we've seen some pretty limp policy responses. It kind of feels like we're, we're bringing a, a squirt gun to uh, a gunfight. Uh, but then, then now we have the war in Ukraine. And, and I've also seen, uh, you know, in China, the Chinese Communist Party not even letting farmers uh, alone out, out in the fields uh, to, to farm, even, even when they're, you know, just really crazy stuff going on in China. So you put all of these factors together and it's like a perfect storm, right? So the CPI has hit eight and a half percent. I know uh, 
the PPI is even higher. And, and it looks to me like this is not transitory. Like if, if anything, we could see inflation going even uh, higher. And so, you know, given what you said about this interest in agriculture, in livestock, investing, um, and, you know, be, that being part of its appeal, right, is like, well, well, what happens in this inflationary environment? Well, you know, you'd be pretty well off if you owned uh, agricultural assets and, and farmland. Have you seen this higher uh, inflation translate into more interest in harvest returns and more interest just in, in this space that you operate in general? Yeah, I think we're starting to see a shift in that direction. Um, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, obviously, inflation, where if you own assets that, that inflate, uh, that appreciate, um, you're well off. However, that, that same inflation drives some issues in input costs for farmers. So fertilizer costs have skyrocketed. So if you're growing, you know, if you're growing wheat or corn or soy, some of those row crops, you are facing higher input costs, even though the, the end result might be um, more significant, but you're also seeing these supply chain disruptions. So whether it's uh, wheat from Ukraine um, and that, that again, if you're talking about certain, certain types of livestock, those, those are feeds. So feed prices are going up. So if you're a rancher, you may not be doing well, unless you're, you, you may be getting a, a premium on your, your cattle, but you may also be um, spending more money to raise them out to finishing size to sell them. So it depends on, you know, what, what type of ranching you're doing and what type of products you're selling. I see. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense. It's a double-edged sword because if you're feeding your cattle, then obviously your input costs are higher. Um, well, let's talk about the different ways to invest in livestock, right? Obviously you have futures and different contracts. Um, you have operating businesses. And I know, you know, in, in terms of beef, uh, one of my favorite topics, I mean, I'm a big beef, uh, beef fan. My family eats a lot of beef. And actually we've gotten into the, the grass fed beef, you know, a little bit more of a, a premium product. Um, my kind of personal thought is, you know, I might eat a little less, but eat better beef. Um, so, so what are, what are the different segments? What are the different ways, uh, you know, that an investor specifically an accredited investor, their advisor, uh, can invest in livestock? Yeah, they, you know, there's, there's just like any sort of investment, there's uh, many different structures. Um, generally, you know, we're dealing with private placements, private offerings. Uh, I'm sure there's some publicly traded companies. You could probably get some access, um, you know, some of the processing firms, some of the big, big, uh, companies like that, where you probably get some access to the asset class, but on the private side and specifically dealing with, with accredited investors, people that want to invest, um, in a private placement, you know, we've seen, and we've done at harvest returns, both debt and equity. Um, we, we've invested in some agribusinesses, some ranches that are growing grass-fed cattle. We, 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 uh, last year we closed a pretty nice offering with a, a, uh, Dorper lamb company in, uh, Texas here, but they've got, they produce lamb all over Texas and the Southwest and, and sell it, um, in places like, like Whole Foods and Amazon and, and direct to consumer retail. Uh, and then we've done uh, collateralized uh, debt notes with cattle, which are pretty popular with our investments, uh, with our investors, where you're essentially giving a loan to a farmer or a rancher, and he or she is going out and buying, you know, so many head of cattle, uh, raising them, and then uh, paying off the interest rate on the loan. And you know, some of that cost goes to buy the cattle, some goes to feed and take care of the cattle or um, and bring them to processing. So 
Uh, we, we like specifically, we like grass fed, but you know, there's other, uh, cattle companies that we've invested in. We've even done Caltech. So we've done some ag tech companies that are focused on the cattle industry. Uh, they're, you know, definitely a higher risk sort of endeavor, but they're serving this industry with, with, you know, tools that automate some of the, the feeding processes. And, um, we've done some biotech related to that. So, so it's a pretty big industry and there's, there's a number of ways to invest and, you know, that's, it's one of our verticals on the platform. So we try to give our investors as many ways as possible to invest in, in the livestock and cattle industry that they may not have access to otherwise. So, yeah, Chris, you mentioned uh, grass-fed. And, you know, again, just as a consumer, uh, I love grass-fed. I took, I think the first time I tasted it, it just took a little getting used to. Um, and, and now it's almost like all I like. I, I prefer the taste. Um, you know, and also just, uh, I think there's a trend of, um, you know, more conscious consumption. And, you know, I, I like to buy local meat when I can. Uh, humanely raised and all that sort of thing. So can you talk about, I guess, from the investment standpoint, um, why at, at Harvest Returns, why do you like grass-fed as a segment? Yeah, for, for many of the reasons you you um, mentioned, there are studies that say it's it's healthier, lower in you know, the bad flavors of types of cholesterol um, than, than grain finish. So you know, first, before you, maybe we get too far, we probably should define it a little bit. So Every cow, cow kind of goes through three stages or every cattle raised for slaughter goes through three stages of its life. The, you know, the first thing, all, all cows, they drink milk. They're drinking milk from their mom. Um, then after uh, several weeks, they get weaned off the milk and pretty much every cow is grass fed at some point or another in its life. They're out in a field foraging. Um, it, some operations will, during that stage, will this is kind of the stalker phase or where they're, they're take, taking a calf and turn it in something that you can market. Um, they're feeding them um, supplemental grains and things like that. Some are purely grass raised and, and you mentioned humanely raised and we've done, you know, that's, there's a standard called the gap standard that will uh, help um, investors uh, kind of know which, which are producing livestock humanely, which companies are and which aren't. And, and how they're rated. Um, but then there's the finishing stage and that's, so that's getting the kind of the, the livestock fattened up for processing or for slaughter. And there, most of that is done in Midwest, um, feed yards, essentially people seeing them, a bunch of cows standing around, you're basically pouring, pouring, uh, uh, feed on them. And that's, you know, that's where the bulk of the U S beef is produced, but then there's also this smaller segment called grass finished. And most of the grass finished, I think it's still well over 90%. Most of the grass finished beef we eat in the United States is imported um, from places like Australia and New Zealand. So, you know, think of there, there's a premium on it because one that the price is a premium, you're having to either import it all the way across the ocean, these, these cattle or the, or the carcasses, or, or you're having to take a longer amount of time, generally more land than you would to finish a cattle on, on a feedlot. So uh, premium product that many people like is going to, uh, confer a premium price. And from an investment standpoint, you know, there's some positives to it as well, because when the grain prices shoot up and you're, you're a grass finisher, you're, you don't care. You don't worry that the price of corn and feed is skyrocketing. So, um, I haven't seen it yet, but at some point we might see an inversion where the price of grain, um, finish shoots up above grass finish, and that will probably drive some changes in the industry. Um, maybe people are trying to do more grass finishing, but there, you know, there's, there are some limitations. You got to have 
um, land. The other aspect I would say that our investors like um, when we're dealing with livestock and it doesn't matter, we're talking about cows or goats or sheep or lamb or whatever is the regenerative aspect of some operations. So you'll hear this regenerative agriculture more frequently. And, and a big piece of that regenerative agriculture is the livestock raising. There's, there's a lot of myths and, um, I, I'd call it misinformation. And, and I think a lot of it's being put out by certain, some of the alternative protein companies that, you know, a livestock is so bad for the environment. Well, you know, without getting into the too many of the details, you know, there was bison roaming, millions of bison roaming North America way before we had millions of cattle roaming North America. So what's really the difference in the impact on the environment? There are some, now there are some differences between the way bison graze, their hooves are a little sharper. They, they tend to um, roam around more when they eat and they, they're not like cows where they just stay and, um, or, or I'm sorry, cattle tend to roam around more bison tend tend to you know finish off the grass and move on in an area and so but there's ways that ranchers can mimic sort of that natural intensive grazing and we're working with some of the farmers in fact we've got a, a company we raise money for out west where they're basically taking land that is kind of underwater doesn't get a lot of rain and helping to regenerate the regenerate the native grasses because of their intense grazing processes with cattle um, and the type of cattle breeds they choose and those sorts of things can make a big difference. So there's a, you know, there's sort of that ESG piece that a lot of investors are looking for as well as the profitability piece. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot to digest there. Some uh, pun intended, really uh, interesting points. Uh, you know, I hadn't really considered that the grass fed livestock would be much more uh, resilient, I guess, in a period of higher inflation um, at least until, you know, maybe they can figure out a way to tax sunlight, um, or, or grass seed or something. Um, but, but that's a really interesting angle. Um, and, and I think again, from that consumer angle, once you've established it as a, a more of a premium product, there's a little bit, uh, less price sensitivity. And so I think it just, it makes that segment very, you know, resilient. Um, and, and from the perspective of like angel investing or uh, venture capital, um, a little bit more, you know, brandability or, you know, that, that operating business competitive edge, uh, you know, where having that premium brand name actually becomes worth something. Uh, Cause I think a lot of consumers are interested in supporting American farmers. Um, you know, obviously they're price sensitive. They want a good product at, at a good price point. Um, and I think you're frankly, your platform at Harvest Returns is, you know, helping to get a lot of these things financed. So, uh, you know, your company is just a, a great uh, part of that ecosystem. Um, so I wanted to talk briefly about, I know there's a lot of private placement offerings at Harvest Returns. Typically those are only open to accredited investors. Um, so, so speaking now to our accredited investor listeners, as well as their, you know, financial advisors and all the RIAs who listen to the show, um, could you talk a little bit about potential tax benefits to a livestock investment? You know, I know they can change depending on the structure, but just sort of some big, broad uh, ways that investors could, could use livestock investing as a way to also, um, you know, get some of those tax benefits. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we do do Reg D offerings. So Reg D is primarily for accredited investors, but we also do the, the B exemption, which allows up to 35 sophisticated non-accredited investors, just 
just for everyone's information. Uh, from a tax standpoint, it, it depends on the structure of the deal, but it, you know, in some of our equity deals, livestock is a depreciable asset. So just like you buy a building and it's gonna depreciate, of course a cow depreciates a lot quicker than, a, uh, than an apartment building, but uh, especially when you're, when you're gonna eat it after a year or two. But um, that there is that for, for some of the equity side. Um, we allow investments in self-directed IRAs. So for people looking to defer, you know, probably better for our equity deals. You know, I'm not a tax professional, so consult your tax professional, but um, there are different structures that would, would be more interesting for um, that, that person using a self-directed IRA. Good. Well, uh, Chris, it was great talking with you today. That's about all the time we have. Where can our listeners go to learn more about harvest returns? Yeah, best place, Jimmy, is our website, harvestreturns.com. We've got social media. We've got a bunch of blogs about this very subject. So take some time to do some research before you invest. Terrific. And for our listeners out there, if you want links to all of the resources we discussed on today's episode, you can access the show notes at altdb.com slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and on your favorite podcasting platform so you'll be sure to receive new episodes as we release them. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you like this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. The Alternative Investment Podcast is produced by the Alternative Investment Database, online at altdb.com. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and access the show notes by visiting altdb.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode 